Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspel. Well, gentlemen, um, been, it's been a minute, maybe about 11 months since we've done a, uh, a full game week preview, but just kind of got to shake off the rust a little bit, but uh, it's game week, boys. We're back. Let's go. <laughs> we are back. And it's it's crazy, too. We've worked so hard to keep the torch burning all throughout COVID, all throughout the problems with with the sport, you know, with, with spring sports and cancellations, and then took it all the way through the summer. And then we had, you know, we finally were kind of given our own death blow at the same time the Big Ten got its. We went into hibernation for a little bit. The Big Ten came back. We came back, and we know... From our numbers, that despite all of this, many of you are just tuning back in now for the first time since you tuned out from Illinois, because so many of you come week to week for the heart of football season, and we totally get it. Um, This is when the action is. Um, We are so stoked for this. This is a game week pod. Game week pods are are a special breed. We wait all year for these. We get so jacked up. Um, So let's go. Saturday. 6.30 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Night game. Northwestern, Maryland. Um, you know, going back and listening to our, our uh, Maryland preview, uh, John, just kind of want to get a sense, you know, it's been, it's been a minute since we've done our Maryland preview. Uh, you know, you were exceedingly excited about uh, the opportunity to play this Maryland defense. Has anything changed since uh, we previewed them over the summer? Like, Will we need our portable lights or will will the dumpster fire of the Maryland defense be enough to illuminate (laughs) the darkness? Um, Signs point to the second option. Um, It's certainly not like Maryland's had any grad transfers arrive or anything like that. We were joking. We sent out a a tweet today that, um, I mean, gosh, we joke about the oars, you know, in the Northwestern depth chart. But Lord have mercy looking at Maryland. That's a Viking warship worth of oars there. You can row to Newfoundland <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah, they're, it, it's, it's nuts. I mean, you talk about like... And you're talking starters, starting oars. I mean, 7 of 11 guys, they don't really know what they've got. Um, it's crazy. And then you can go beyond that too. Um, there is a total of, not last season, when some of these guys played, a couple of them... Um, they are carrying one start total from the 2018 season into this season. To say these guys are green is the understatement of understatements. I mean, again, Maryland had almost nothing in terms of experience and really recruiting talent on this defense. And then they had a ton of transfers and opt-outs. And now they don't know what they've got. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's... Again, I mean, we're going to go over where we are no peach ourselves in terms of certain uncertainties, but Maryland doesn't know what the hell they've got on the defensive side of the ball. So, yes, that that there certainly has been no change for the better for Maryland. Let's put it that way. It, it is very clear this defense is going to be figuring it out on the fly in this game, and that is a great thing for the Northwestern <laughs> offense to, to work with. Absolutely. And, and again, like it's – if you if you go back and you listen to the Maryland pod, you know I, I kind of went over this. 
But it's truthfully hard to go over this defense. And you can almost, you can go and watch other, you can go and look at other preview sites, you can go read other things, and you can see the gymnastics that people are doing, ESPN or whoever, to talk about Maryland's defense because there ain't nothing there. And to try to highlight production from guys who, you know, a guy who maybe had a sack last year and then trying to spin that somehow, like it's experience. I mean, like Scott said, Maryland, they don't know what they have. Um, These guys haven't played. um, And yeah, they're just getting thrown into the fire on day one. And you could certainly say that about some Northwestern guys too, but I can't stress this enough. A lot of these guys on Maryland's like, these were not supposed to be starters. These are not guys who were supposed to play. Um, they're guys who, you know, in the flux of a new administration or whatever, like the, these guys are part of basically what's, up, what's you know, Mike Loxley's basically being given a mulligan here. And a lot of these guys are mulligan guys. And that might sound callous to say, but he's going to be given some time to work this out and they're probably going to get pasted um, in a way that you rarely see in the Big Ten on the defensive side of the ball and that'll just kind of be like a tax write-off so yeah no it's all good things all good things on the defense there's no bad news no bad news to report Uh, skies are blue and sunny well it's probably worth noting like and and this is you know buried in the Maryland in the Maryland preview we did but the, major, the majority of their experience coming back is at linebacker. They've got two two guys at linebacker who, I mean, this is their top two returning tacklers from last year, right? But they, the D-line, almost wholesale changeover. The secondary, similar. Um, their cornerbacks are, are, are really unsettled. And, I mean, it, it kind of cuts great for Northwestern. Like, li- like linebackers are usually good at, at stopping the run, but when there's no defensive line in front of them, that's problematic. So Northwestern should be able to pick their poison offensively and, and, and really control this game on the offensive side. And maybe it's a good opportunity to, to, to pivot to what we learned from the Northwestern depth chart that got released this past. I, I do want to get there, but uh, I do also want to mention before we get off of Maryland, um, they're still undecided at quarterback uh, Talia Tagavaloa, and Lance Legendre, Legendre. I think it's Legendre. Um, yeah, we sorry, we can talk about the Maryland offense first. I, th- I thought I thought we might want to. Oh, we'll 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 so, get to us. Just that's the one thing I wanted to mention on there offensively. You know, just they're they're unknown to quarterback and like, yeah. I so I part of me wonders. I mean, the the stars certainly seem to be aligning for both Tagovailoa's to start for the first time on the same weekend. That's that might seem uh, cute the, the to Dolphins say. are off this week, so it, oh okay. So the Dolphins have an extra week to kind of install that. But um, no, yeah. I mean, it could go either way. I mean, Legendry wasn't he himself like a decent recruit, Scuzz? Yeah, he's good. So like, there's. Everyone is basically surprised that this depth chart came out and there's an or at quarterback. So um, all the kind of prognosticators coming out of fall camp were were expecting Tungvaloa to have this starting role. Um, in part, he's just more polished. Like he 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 played some backup duty last year with with Alabama. He um, just he's super poised in the pocket, much like. Um, much like some of the traits his brother shows and Legendre is just 
very, very raw. Um, potentially a better athlete. He's he's a bigger dude. Um, he 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 checks in at you know he's two inches taller, ten pounds uh, heavier based on their their depth chart. But I, I just it's funny and ironic to me that Northwestern is the team in this matchup that has decided their quarterback and Maryland is not. Um, that's a role reversal for the Wildcats <laughs> from, from past seasons and a very welcome one, I might add. But like, what's interesting to me beyond just the quarterback is when you look at the other named starters, Maryland has, has almost prioritized like time with Maryland, like like tenure in the Maryland program over athleticism. So at running back, Jake Funk, who's uh, a returning senior, a guy, by the way, who has um, torn his ACL twice. He's named the starter at running back, despite the fact that they have Isaiah Jacobs, the younger brother of Josh Jacobs um, of the Las Vegas Raiders right now, who's an absolute burner. Um, coming in as a freshman, they also have a guy named Penny Boone, who's a 250-pound just monster, also in the backfield. He's another freshman. Really surprising to me that that they're going to go with arguably the least athletic of their running backs. Now, I expect we're going to see a lot of different names in the backfield on Saturday, but it's I don't know. It's just kind of telling when you see Funk's name there at the top of the at the top of the list. Another one is Brian Cobbs. So Brian Cobbs was the second leading receiver on the team last year with a whopping 16 catches for 240 yards. Um, Not burning down the house. And as, as we've talked about before, Maryland had a lot of problems on offense, particularly with injuries at QB, right? But they've got Brian Cobbs as the starter over five-star recruit Rakeem Jarrett, who's a local dude absolute monster at receiver. I mean, he's like a, he's, he's like a Stefan Diggs um, rerun. And it's just really surprising to me that, that a guy that talented and, and who knows, right? Like maybe he had a chip on his shoulder. Maybe he's struggled to pick up blocking schemes. Like who knows what it is. Right. But I'm just, I'm, I'm surprised looking at this, at this depth chart that a team with such obvious, incredible young athletic talent, None of that talent's on the top line um, on this depth chart. I think it, the interesting thing for me, I mean, continue to look at Maryland, and like Sam said, we'll pivot to us in a second. I kind of look at some of this, and I look at this or, and I think, you know, from a Northwestern perspective, we are used to fearing a guy like Legendre, right? Where we're like, oh, gosh, this guy's going to run all over the place. He's, you know, it's going to be, we're going to be going nuts trying to tackle a guy like that. But I honestly feel like, you know, we and I would expect Maryland ought to be of the same mind, you know, which is kind of like, look, Tagovailoa is probably, you know, you talk about pocket presence, a guy who can throw the ball. Like, that's where Maryland's bread is most likely going to be buttered. Like, they can't be counting on a quarterback running around with a chicken like a chicken with his head cut off and that being their offense like Scott said this is a team that has talent at wide receiver that is a place they have major talent whether it's tested or not um and uh, you know we'll get to it but we talked about it last week on the pod like do not expect that Northwestern is going to reliably get to the quarterback in this game like there's a really good chance we won't. And given that, 
a guy like Tagovailoa and a potentially clean pocket, that's the best thing Maryland's going to have going for it in this game. And I think if Maryland is able to stay in the game, that's going to be the way that they do it. Um, targeting some of these players. I mean, a guy like Jarrett, uh, there are real potential mismatches for a guy like that in this game if we're not pressuring the quarterback. And again, like, there's the flip side too, where if Maryland secretly is being like, look, we're watching practice every day. These guys don't know what the hell's going on. Legendre can scramble and get us yards and that's the best thing we're going to have. Then fantastic. I'll take that in a second. But Tagovailoa, we know the pedigree. We know that he himself was a pretty good recruit. Um, and we know that for all of the, you know, the bona fides of our defense, you know, breathing down a quarterback's neck is not necessarily going to be one of those things, especially in week one. So I'll be really curious to see, to your points, guys, like what, how much of this young talent they roll out um, yeah. and, and how much they kick the tires on a quarterback because you kind of feel like, you, you kind of feel like what Loxley wants to do is be like, look, it's going to be Tagovailoa and we are going to throw. But I don't know how confident he is that, that he's got the pieces in place to do that yet. Yeah, I think like the this this roster and like the starting point of this game, I, I meant, I, and I said, you know, the defense is going to be figuring this out on the fly on the Maryland side. Well, their offense will be as well. And the starting point of, all right, look, we've got three returning offensive linemen. We've got a Juco transfer filling in a fourth spot. And our fifth guy, Spencer Anderson played a fair amount last year. So we feel decent about our O-line. Let's do the easy thing and run the ball and be, you know, be a little bit deceptive with uh, Legendre in there and see what we can do. And they're going to have packages. Maybe it's going to be a series by series thing. Like we saw with Hunter Johnson and TJ green against Stanford last year they're going to have packages where they do stuff with these other guys. Um, Isaiah Jacobs, who I mentioned as, as the burner at running back is listed as their starting kick returner. So like that guy's going to take, you know, at least one kickoff, hopefully a lot of kickoffs from Northwestern in this game. And um, that, I mean, that's, that's, he's, he's an X factor. We're going to have to keep our eyes on. I would be stunned if, I mean, in, in four receiver packages, how do you not put Rakeem Jarrett out there? Just, just from a fear factor, right? If the guy is speedy, et cetera, like, Dante Demas is their top go-to guy. He was their leading receiver by three miles last year. Um, Ja'Shawn Jones is is very decent as well. And like like you said, John, that's the strength of their team. But I I imagine going into this against, you know, if you're Loxley and you're a vet and you're looking at Northwestern from last year, certainly you've looked at tape of Peyton Ramsey, but you you know Northwestern's a real unknown on offense with with the change in scheme and Bajakian and maybe you're maybe you're hoping like hey maybe they struggle as well and we're able to get this done without putting the ball at risk let's see what we can do on the ground but I suspect like th- they're gonna have to open the floodgates in the second half and really let things fly and that's where that's where we'll see what kind of poise you know this this young QB has and if he's if he's built a connection I'm I'm anxious about, you know, our ability to shut down these receivers because of how talented they are. And without the proven pass rush, like this is going to be an interesting game. Like Northwestern's probably going to give up a lot of yards to this offense. If this offense, you know, is able to execute and it's going to come down to, you know, those red zones. Can we, can we trade touchdowns on our end for field goals on their end? That's always sort of been our MO, right? You know, we'll give up a lot of yards, but really lock it down in the red zone. 
Um, well, that's that was one other thing I was going to bring up too. When you think about like how Maryland's got to be looking at this, part of them has to be thinking: Look, if if your goal is to light a fire under a young quarterback like a Tagovailoa, Mike Hankowitz is sort of a good guy to be up against for that, only because he's going to let you throw. Like the yeah, corner, let you get in rhythm, right? Right. The cornerbacks are going to be off, and if there's a rhythm to, found, to be found, he's he's going to help you find it. He's going to not let you go over the top, and he's also going to bait you uh, and try to get you to you know to, to think you've got a rhythm so that you'll feed the ball out into the flat where he can pick it off or something like that, right? But yeah, so it's it's a little bit more of that. But um, you know, on the flip side, and you know, we'll we'll get to this when we pivot to Northwestern. But I mean, the there Northwestern has the advantage in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Um, it's probably less pronounced when Maryland's on offense, but that's a misnomer because Maryland may be returning starters on the offensive side of the ball, but they are like they cannot expect to have success running the ball in this game. Um, yeah. Yeah, I that to me that's the that's the like the interesting starting point from what I laid out before is their likely strategy is that they're going to try to run the ball and that's not going to work. Right, and the right. question is like right. they're going to change tactics and how will that go? We don't know. Right. Well, and we're almost 18 minutes into this thing. Let's go ahead and talk about what I believe everyone came here to to talk about and that's the that's the cats. I mean, uh, we got a depth chart, you know, if you look back at our our pod last week there's a lot of unknowns. A lot of those unknowns have been uh, made known now. Uh, Peyton Ramsey officially named the starter. Um, left tackle. Thank thank God we're not screwing around with some nonsense of, like, which starter is going to be the starter. You'll find out when he walks out on the field. Nonsense. Yeah, that's right. Good None of that. riddance to that banana farm. And honestly, right. the fact that it's either Hunter Johnson or Andrew Marty is the backup, I'm okay with that, honestly. Cool. Like, cool, you know, man. Cool. No, well, and, no worries. And, and folded into that, right, we have an, an opt-out from Aiden Smith, and we know that T.J. Green, God love him for his presence in the locker room and for his whatever he's got halfway to a law degree or whatever he has at this point with his sixth year of eligibility. But he's coming off a major injury himself, right? Um, and with all— should we, should we start referring to him as Dr. Green? Yeah, right. <laughs> he must be getting a Ph.D. Yeah, at this standpoint, exactly. right? Um, and with all the quarterbacks in our quarterback room, it's nice to know that there's— a defined pecking order. And even if even if it's unsettled between Marty and Johnson at number two, okay, good. We have three guys. That's at least a that's a palatable number. Um, and, you know, that, that we feel like that there's a progression and that there's a plan in place starting from Ramsey on down. Right. So, yes, some some stability is nice for a change. Um, the, the one or on the offense is at left tackle. And it's really interesting. Um, Peter, Skr- Peter Skronsky or Zach Franks. Um, Skronsky, we've talked about a lot. Uh, 6'4", 294, true freshman. Or Zach Franks, we haven't talked about quite as much lately because uh, he redshirted last year, but redshirt freshman. So we're going to have some youth on the left side at uh, tackle. But my God, th- those guys yeah, I, are, they- if you want to have a battle, I think those are the two guys that I'm good. I'm good with them having it. Just two of the ten biggest Northwestern offensive line recruits of all time. So there's that. Um, <laughs> there, it's as we you know tweeted out earlier this week the the two headed dragon proverbial. Um, the the funny thing here though is for you know we went on at length last week about the you know the the man bear that is Peter Skaronsky and. <laughs> 
on I won't say man bear pig because I feel like that would sound insulting. Um, but you know, the man bear pig is a ferocious man devouring creature. So you know, please don't take that the wrong way. Um, but it you know it's clear now that the coaching staff shares that opinion because he's starting uh, at the most important position on the offensive line as a true freshman. And we've talked about the fact before that he did not play tackle in high school. He is a guard who a lot of people project as a center. Like, this guy may be an NFL center someday. Like, we don't know. Um, he is short, certainly by NFL standards, for a tackle. 6'4", um, is, that's guard size. He is a freak of nature, though. And I think it's important to mention Franks in this regard. And not only Franks, but throw in um, a pain a bear into the group as well, right? Um, uh, or even a Dominic D'Antonio and be like, look, the trench cats thing is real. It's not a mirage. It's not just those guys. It's that there's real flexibility on the line with guys like Ethan Wiedeker and Nick Urban, okay? This is all a way of saying Skaronsky didn't have to play here. There were other ways to rejigger this, but the guy is so flipping good that they put him at left tackle week one of his true freshman year, okay? This isn't like four years ago, or what was it, five years ago, where we were like, oh my gosh, who are these five guys going to be? These tackles are so green. How the heck is this going to be? There are other options here, including Zach Franks, who looks like an actor playing an offensive tackle and decommitted from Penn State to come to Northwestern. Um, and, you know, so it's about Skaronsky in this case. And, yeah, go ahead. Well, as you say, it's interesting because we we, ta- we talked about both these guys last week, and our projection was that Franks would get would get the tackle position, and Skaronsky, well, he's my, so my projection, I thought you'd put Franks in at tackle and drop Skaronsky in at center if he's, you know, if he's really that good at the, at the center position. And, you know, well, I, I think the the word coming out of uh, from Fitz in the press conference earlier this week was that basically Payne Aber, Zach Franks, and Skaronsky were just were all phenomenal in camp, but Skaronsky was just more um, consistent. And with a you know with a with a experienced QB, you can you can probably afford to let Skaronsky find his wheels out there. Um, versus if it was, you know, Hunter, um, or, or Marty back there, right. A less experienced QB where you just, you just absolutely have to have, um, that side sealed off. So I think it's, I think it's really interesting. It's gonna be fascinating to see how it plays out. We have seen that Fitzgerald has been perfectly comfortable mixing and matching with the O-line early on in, in, in the season, um, Hopefully they don't mix and match as much as they did that one year um, where we were all tearing our hair out because they, they, they basically ended up on what they should have started right. with, um, which was pretty frustrating. But, you know, G- Garrick was uh, penciled in as a center, uh, as a backup center in the past. Like, it makes sense that he's there. Um, Wiedekar got some 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 run last year and is a mammoth human um, that makes a ton of sense at guard. You know Vogel continuing to continue to play right tackle. You get the continuity there. I think that makes a ton of sense from our our perspective. Nick Urban at left guard. The the other interesting one to me is that Josh Preeb is sitting right there I, in the second team offensive line. I 
have you guys ever, ever been this excited about an offensive line? <laughs> no. Because no, not I ever. haven't. Never. I'm not saying. Can, can I I'm add? Can I say, add? Like, yeah. like this is a this is a depth chart gazing like uh, experience I'm going to dip into here. But so true freshman offensive linemen usually they don't no. play because they haven't had a chance to bulk up yet. Right. Peter Skronsky is the lightest player on the starting offensive line by one pound. Right. He's, I mean, like he's right there as is Josh Preeb. Like these dudes are like, John, you described it so well last year on the podcast. Like Skronsky is just a guy that shows up and plays for four years. He's not a freshman. Right. And, and, and Preeb is like, is like a heartbeat behind him in that same vein. And I just like, I love the pieces we have here. And like, we have, we have an actual set of players to work with and, and, and mold and figure out what our best mode is, as opposed to, Oh shit, we got to plug a hole. What are we going to do? Which feels like it was the experience at O-line for the past 10 years. Exactly. And that's the thing. I'm not saying day one, this is the best, offensive line we've seen in the past 10 years what i'm saying is we've never seen depth like this with excitement where you're like i can't wait for these guys to play because make no mistake like nick urban and gunner vogel are great big 10 linemen they are both going to feast in this maryland game i mean you can throw gurek and Wiedeker into this too but Urban and Vogel, these are seniors, these are Big Ten seniors who are good offensive linemen. And again, we've been on the journey with Vogel for, you know, this is our fifth year with him. We know what he is. He is not the greatest pass pro guy in the world, but he's gotten better every year. He is built like a redwood and he is a vicious run blocker. And he's a senior with a tremendous amount of Big Ten starts under his belt, playing against a group of Maryland defensive linemen who don't know what the hell they're doing. John, okay? I, I do have to say, every year I'm always impressed by your adjectives for describing offensive linemen. That's, <laughs> every year you come up with something new. That's phenomenal. I love it. I mean, again, these, and these guys are all, they're all really good. Like, Urban, Gurak, and Vogel, like, these guys are guys who, like, that's a solid nucleus. You know, for all the talk of losing Slater, um, this is a, uh, and Jared Thomas, this is a really solid group of guys. And right, it's, it's, it's not a situation where we're like, we're like, look, Zach Franks is playing because there isn't a spot for him right now. That's why he's not up there. He is definitely going to play. And so is Preeb, and so are the rest of these guys. A Bear, you know, who also looked great in camp, you know, as you were saying. Like, it's just it's exciting because the trench cats thing, I kind of feel like this is the first year where it just gets real. Where you're like, Yeah, there's a lot here. And again, it's so weird because I really don't want to put the cart before the horse, but part of me is almost like, you know. That there, there's going to be even a little pump the brakes to be like, look, Iowa's coming up the next week. Because, again, like, there are, like, you know, we talked about Maryland earlier. Like, Maryland has real problems with experience on both sides of the ball. But on the offensive side of the ball, they have a lot of big recruits. They don't on the defensive side of the ball. It's a total cluster. Um, and this is an offensive line we have with real experience and serious talent that is just going to pound them. Um, and I'm stoked about it. 
Well, and, and you know that Fitz wants to run the ball, but Jakeen wants to run the ball. They are going to run the ball until Maryland stops them and then or until they see like a nice they get a nice tasty matchup downfield, right? So And I, you, know, you know you know what the, Isaiah Bowser's weakness is? Being hurt. That's he doesn't have another weakness. If you put this guy downhill, he's gonna pile drive people. Yeah. So I like I I think we're gonna see a lot of Bowser who's listed as the starter at running back. We're, we are absolutely going to see Drake Anderson. We're going to see Evan Hall. Interestingly, Otto, Otto Porter is enlisted. Or not, Cameron Porter is not listed. Um, Otto Porter is not. We could this. use that height, you know, in, the, <laughs> yeah. in going yeah. out of field. But. Yeah. Um, I always do that. I don't know why. Anyways, um, uh, so, I, like, we're going to see a lot of the running backs. We're going to see what they can do. Jesse Brown, I would be stunned if Jesse Brown didn't get meaningful carries in this For game. For sure. Yeah. So, so that's going to be interesting. I wonder, like, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I love to do this. I like, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen one lick of practice, right? And if I had Switz, Fitz, or 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 whomever, um, Paul Kennedy would have like sworn me to secrecy. So I like, I have no idea what they've actually been practicing. But when I see an or on Hunter Johnson and Andrew Marty, and I think about what what you can do with a guy like Andrew Marty and and his skill set, like I'd be stunned if we didn't see Andrew Marty packages and short yardage mm. this year. Good call. Like, yeah, like, like maybe not, but that seems like a th- like as you look at what the rest of college football is doing, and we finally have a have a offensive coach who is who is going to have looked at what the rest of college football is doing to you know uh, incorporate things into his into his scheme and his approach. Like that seems like a thing that that could possibly happen. Um, I think if Peyton goes down, it's 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 Hunter's show. But I think Marty is going to get playing time either way. Should I just coin Andozer right now, and we'll just. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. Yeah, that seems pretty good. Uh, the The other interesting thing when you look at the wide receivers, so so John Raines listed as the starting tight end. Charlie Mangieri is backup. There's no mention of Trey Pugh on this depth chart, which means we're either going to see John Raines and Trey Pugh like like a multi two tight end set um, every play, or it means that Pew is, is either hurt again or just, you know, not, not um, uh, up to level yet in recovering from what he, whatever he was dealing with last year. And what we're going to see is Northwestern go to a three wide with one tight end and focus less on um, it's going to look, it's going to look more like, Tampa Bay and Tennessee of old, then it's going to look like Boston College of last year, right? And and with when you look at RCB Riley Lee's and Kyrick McGowan and what your wide receiver car, I've already I talked a lot last week about how I see McGowan as really a skeleton key of a guy that could be running back. He could be a receiver. You can move him around. You can you can do the multiple sort of stuff that Bajaki wants to do with him as kind of your pivot, like. I, I think we're going to see a lot of different looks to get the ball into McGowan's hand. Um, yes, we're going to use Bowser like a, like a thunderstick downhill, but you're going to see a lot of McGowan w- woven in there at times as well. And it's also interesting. We were talking about this before we got on the pod. When you look at the second team offensive wide receivers, you're not seeing a Berkeley Holman. You're not seeing a Bryce Kurtz, like the smaller burner guys you would see in a lot of four wide sets or in a in a in an offense that's really trying to spread things out. You've got Genson Hooper Price and Wayne Dennis, two big dudes that 
could play could play tight end type roles. So I I think I think you're gonna see RCB blocking a lot. I think you're gonna see when when Price and Dennis get on the field, you're gonna see them blocking. You're gonna see the the, the Bajakian heavy look that then can quickly morph to throwing the ball a lot. But it's it's gonna focus on getting the ball into McGowan's hand, probably getting the ball into Lee's hand. Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how it evolves in real time, but like just trying to read some of the tea leaves from this, from this depth chart, you know, kind of, kind of brings, brings to light some of these, these, well, ideas. and you've also got, you've also got Malik Washington on there. Um, a guy who fits and Bajakian like yeah. came out and, and praised in their press conference, I think unprompted. So, you know, the fact that he's on there makes, you know, leads me to believe that, you know, he'll, he'll get some run as well. We we should mention too that um, Washington and and I probably didn't highlight it enough because we sure as hell highlighted it when we first signed him. Malik Washington's from Georgia and he had Auburn, Tennessee, and Virginia Tech offers, and he came to yep. Northwestern. Malik Washington was a major recruit, and he can fly. And it's yeah to all to all the points I was going to say about what you were saying about Coach Jake, like. For all the talk about scheme and everything, Scuzz mapped out really well last week and, and just did just now that he finds ways to get talent on the field in the maximum yes. ways. And I think you're going to see Washington play. And, and you know, he's he's got a plan, and, and all these guys factor into it in a certain way. Well, well and you're going to see, I hope, you're going to see him play in a way that is not telegraphed. Because like we talked about it forever, the Jelani Roberts package, right? Jelani Roberts never saw the field unless he was getting handed the ball on a receiver. On a jet sweep. End around yeah. or reverse. Yeah, like a jet sweep. Like like the only times he ever got on the field, he was getting the ball on a jet sweep. I think, sweep. Th- I think there might have been, there been yeah. one time. There might have been one time that it was a fake jet sweep, but. Yes, yes, one time. It was so stupid. And like that's that's the sort of stuff that a coach, when you look at Bajakian's pedigree and where he's been and how his offenses have been run there is going to be a package that incorporates Malik Washington and there are going to be multiple looks that come out of that package and there's going to be a lot of handoffs to the running back out of that package and then there's going to be the counter where you take advantage of of Washington's speed same deal with McGowan like this is this is what I'm talking about this is the sort of stuff that we're going to be just like it's all like I anticipate rewatching this Maryland game like five I, times trying to figure I, I don't out even, all this I mean, stuff. I mean, for all the – I mean, people have talked about – I mean, there's certainly a subset of Northwestern fans, right, who hang a lot of stuff on the wide receivers, a lot of the failures of the passing game on the wide receivers. I'm not calling them wrong. We certainly trend other ways. Um, and, you know, Scuzz has talked at length about, you know, separation and kind of the misnomer and certain types of, of guys, et cetera. I'm telling you – we're starting three seniors at wide receiver and they all have had moments of brilliance at Northwestern. Maryland has nothing in the secondary on the equivalent level on the other side. Okay. Like Ramad Chakao Bowman, just to throw out one of the three has done things like two years ago when he was making major game saving catches in the Nebraska game for a big 10 West champion. None of the guys on the Maryland defense were doing anything anything um and it's like that's kind of experience is being brought to bear and that's just like one more thing you can heap on top of everything else i mean like i you just look at what we have on this offense and the potential for it and everything and like not all of these things don't have to hit at once 
for us to overwhelm Maryland in this game. And there's a good chance a lot of them are going to hit. Well, we haven't talked about the most important thing and that's, and I, I feel like, I feel like this has been the storyline in like six of our podcasts over the last several months is that at the end of this train of really exciting offensive line players and really quality um, uh, targets and, and skill position players is a, proven commodity at quarterback in Peyton Ramsey. And like everybody's had great things to say about this dude. He, you know, I, I, I don't expect that he's going to, you know, open up by throwing 50 times against Maryland. It's, it's not how Northwestern rolls. Um, it doesn't make sense with, with, when you look at the Maryland defense, like that's, that's not what we're going to see in this game, but this dude has played a lot of football. I mean, this, this dude has played in over 30 football games already. And, that kind of experience is super valuable. The one, like the one scary thing now, now what's great is we have experience behind him in Hunter Johnson, and Andrew Marty, like, like those guys struggled in, in different spots and in different ways last year, but they are experienced players. The rest of the second team offense is ultra young. It is a ton of redshirt freshmen and sophomores. Now that speaks to the talent that has been recruited over the last couple of years, which it's funny. Like John, as you were, as, as we were looking over this, I'm thinking like, these are all the names I forgot about because I was so excited about last year's crop, crop of recruits. Right. And these are the dudes from two and three years ago who were really, really, really two, great recruits. Two of the biggest and, back, two of the best back-to-back North recruiting classes Northwestern's ever had. That's who these guys are. Yep, exactly. And like, so there's, I mean, if there's a weakness for Northwestern, it is 100% the depth is super young and there are going to be some growing pains if we have injuries, et cetera, on the first team. But like the, the parts here are, are somewhat interchangeable and it's, it's really exciting. I like, especially given what we've been forced to endure for the last 12 years on offense. Can we talk defense? Let's do it. I was going to say, no. because we've, it's there. <laughs> if it, it, I would say, it's going to sound from, you know, from some of the things that we say that at least relative to the offense, there are some storm clouds here, um, and there certainly are some some real causes for worry. But I would say there's a lot to be excited about too. Um, so we probably right off, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Sam. I mean, so we'll let's run through kind of the the starters. We got uh, Tommy Adebowale, uh, Trevor Kent, Jason Golden, Ernest Brown on the line. Um, Adebowale looked really good last year as a true freshman, and that you know they're they're tapping him to kind of take the gas role or the sammed up Miller role, um, you know, speaks a lot. Sure, I think so. First of all, we should say um, when we did last week's preview, we waited as long as we could, hoping that we would get a list of those opt outs. We didn't get it, and then we we got it subsequently, right? And um, on the defensive line, sammed up Miller is is the big one. He's opting out this year, um, and this is a guy who battled injuries last year, um, so. You know, that's it's a big loss. On the other hand, like to your point, Adebowale is a guy who played a lot. Um, and I would say, um, one of the things that there's some real potential here because we, you know, we talked at length last last uh week that this team needs guys who get to the quarterback and that that's the thing we have to find. Well, take solace in the fact that there is a rock solid four-man defensive line rotation here. You look at the first team D and the second team D, and you look at those four defensive ends, 
that's not a misnomer. You know, there are places like wide receiver, we can be like, look, 10 guys might play. It's <laughs> it's going to be those four defensive ends. It's those four guys. It's fantastic. So you're also talking about Eculeota and Devin O'Rourke. Absolutely. And those are two names we talked about at length last week. O'Rourke's being right there in the two deep is a huge deal. This is a guy who was hurt last year. He's one of the biggest defensive recruits Northwestern's ever had. Um, and, you know, you saw real flashes of potential, just like you said, Sam, from Adebowore last year, from Leota last year. And fantastic, Ernest Brown, not only back from injury, but back right there in the starting group. It's those four guys. Um, and you're you're going to see those four guys playing a lot. And you've got Adebowore, who's like, the guy's a bowling ball, 6'2", 265. And I mean, you're talking like a field champion from high school. Like he's a f- strength freak guy. Um, but O'Rourke and Leota are get to the passer types. Um, they are tall. They are lean. They are rush ends. And you're going to see these four guys a lot. And the real hope is that we find with one or more of them, they're all still young except Brown, um, that we can get to the quarterback there. Defensive tackle, completely the opposite. I mean, it's fantastic. Jason Gold's already worked his way into the starting spot. But Trevor Kent... J- I was I was surprised by that, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's great because it speaks to his talent that he would leapfrog a Jake Saunders, for example. Yeah. Um, but Trevor Kent, Jason Gold, Jake Saunders, and Joe Spivak are the first four defensive tackles who will play. <laughs> there are more. <laughs> yeah. We can go for days. Uh, Maryland ain't seen an interior defensive line like this. I mean, if you wonder why, you know, we've been S&P plus top 30 for what, six years, five years in a row in defense um, now, it starts here. The recruiting and development of interior defensive linemen and really across the defensive line against the run is just phenomenal. Um, And you've got, you got this group, they're so deep um, and, you know, it's just setting the table in front of this this linebacker core that, you know, what more can we say about that group? Yeah, there's, there's not a whole lot more. I mean, we've talked about uh, Gallagher, Fisher, and Bergen for years. I mean, three seniors. Well, hey, real quick before we jump to the linebackers, yeah. the one thing I think is interesting to think about, like we, we see Northwestern do this a lot. Uh, they did this a lot when they had Lowry, but we didn't see it as much with, Ga- Ga- with Gaztown out there. But Gaztown was the type of defensive end you could slide inside and put an Ernest Brown or like a speed guy like O'Rourke outside of him like looking at the, at this lineup I don't it's a think defined, we're going to see much of that cheetah defined package, right? tackles defined ends you're absolutely right yeah, yeah they're true the, these guys are true ends and true tackles for sure now with that said who knows what kind of combinations will be I'm sure you know it's right um, we all cross our fingers for cheetah and uh, guard ourselves against the god awful three three five. Yes, <laughs> yes, we know they're the same thing, called by two different names. We just want to hope that we'll be saying cheetah a lot more because that means that it's working. Um, but yeah, I mean, to what you're saying, Sam. I mean, Gallagher, Fisher, and Bergen. These, you, it doesn't get any better. Like, enjoy it. We have great linebackers in the pipeline. We'll probably have good linebackers next year. We do a you know a fantastic job of developing linebackers, but this is one. It's going to be one of the best linebacker cores in the nation. What, what um, do you make of uh, McIntyre, Mueller, and Rivers as the as the second team? Mueller's the big one. Wild. He's a walk on. 
Um, and it's classic, you know, it's classic Northwestern rewarding a guy, but it's not, it's not like he's being given it for no reason. I mean, this is a guy who he had Mac offers and Ivy league offers basically, and has busted his ass for four years and now is, is going to see real time in the linebacker rotation, which is great. McIntyre's name came up a fair amount last year as a guy that like was just playing out of his mind and I, it makes a ton of sense that like to me he's probably next man up like if anybody gets injured but like we'll, we'll see right they might stick more more rigidly to the uh to the weak side strong side you know spots that they've got him and Jalen Rivers in but I like like his his name was bubbling last year so like to to the point you made John about the, the development of linebackers like he's a guy that that you know ready to slot in uh, as, as one of these, as these seniors graduate for next year, for sure. Right. It's, it's funny too, because like you, you've, you want to go down the road of being like, okay, look like a Jalen rivers, for example, that is a guy from the Anthony Walker mold. First of all, he's from a Southern speed state, Georgia, instead of Florida, um, a solid offer list. It must be said much more extensive than Walker's offer list was, but the guys both share in common the fact that they were both linebackers well under 100, uh, 200 pounds coming out of high school um, who didn't really look like linebackers to a lot of people. Um, and Rivers is well over 200 pounds now, but he's that kind of mold. He's a speed guy, a sideline to sideline guy who a lot of people saw a lot of potential in. Um, he has a very long offer list, just not a lot of major programs. But I mean, like Ole Miss offered him, like other schools offered him. It's just that he projected as someone where it's like, okay, is this guy a guy's safety? Is he a linebacker? Well, we've got him at linebacker now. And he projects as a guy who's like, you know, 6'2", we have him listed at 6'2", 222, and he can fly. But at the same time, it's like, Unlike other positions, again, it's like what we want is for the three guys we have, you know, the best four, three linebacker core in the big 10, um, just to, to be out there for as long as possible. Cause these guys, um, know what they're doing and, you know, to kind of get to where we're going to pivot in a second, um, we're going to be relying on that experience, I think, because, and we talked about this last week, we may be trying to stay in four three a little bit more and, and using, you know, like a Bergen's flexibility at the Sam position a little bit more, just try to stay in that, just to lean on some of that experience um, as much as we can. So let's talk about the secondary. Um, you know, it, it's crazy. You, you know, think back. It's like our secondary has always been like so much potential and so much great talent and yet snake bit in, in, via injuries via whatever uh travis willick opting out for the season um you know definitely you know makes our our safety core a little bit uh weaker and um you know we've heard rumors um you know we heard one news source that said greg newsom might be out uh for this weekend yeah so i mean we're you know we don't have that confirmed that's something that just came out i think um, northwestern news network is reporting that as of right now, um, on what is it, Tuesday night, we don't have confirmation from that, but you know, we'll err on the sense of caution from a football perspective as opposed to from a news perspective and just say, you know, let's act as if we are not going to have him. Um, and what does that mean? Again, obviously, I talked at length about him being kind of a pivot point for the whole defense and just we desperately need him to be healthy. So it certainly isn't good news from that regard. Um, as Scuzz said, the one thing Maryland's got is some real potential at receiver, especially depending on how many of those young guys 
play. So it's it's certainly not good news. Obviously, Willick a big loss. This is a guy who played you know forever. Hits like a freight train. He's a bonus linebacker. It's fascinating though to look at the depth chart. Um, oh, the depth the depth chart is so juicy. It, it is, and some and some of the things that you learn um, from looking at the two deep. One thing you see is um, for everyone who said, well, Coco Azima is going to be the guy who will slot in next to Pace. It's pretty clear that there's there's a defined depth chart. Um, and I guess this shouldn't be surprising, but with so many young guys, you know, we're trying to keep track of, there's a defined strong safety versus free safety depth chart. So J.R. Pace, as you would expect, is your lead pipe lock at free safety. Azima is backing him up at free safety. And what's interesting, right, although I'm sure they will both play plenty, is that Brandon Joseph... Um, who is a redshirt freshman, has left Bryce Jackson on the strong safety depth chart. Um, and again, it's like keeping track of so many of these talented young guys. Joseph had an offer from Arizona. He had an offer from Colorado. He's from Texas, you know, Purdue offer, like Utah offer. He had a lot of good offers and he is a true strong safety. So, I mean, like there's a reason he's going to be out there right away. I think the... The real thing that we're looking at and the real questions are, I think, A.J. Hampton and Rod Hurd. They will both play, make no doubt about that. There's been a lot of talk about how good Hampton's been looking. Um, He played last year. Hampton himself was a big recruit um, who was a really highly regarded guy who I believe decommitted from Toledo to pick up to come to Northwestern. And that was a big deal when we got him. Um, As good as his pedigree is, Hurd's pedigree is even higher. Heard turned down Michigan. We don't get a lot of corners who turn down Michigan to come play for Northwestern. Um, and Heard is a redshirt freshman. With Newsom being out, it begs a lot of questions, right? Nominally, I would say we can assume Hampton will fill that spot opposite Ruiz. So then the question becomes okay, so um, how much does Heard play? And then in four-two-five situations or cheetah package situations, how does Northwestern play it? Does a Bergen stay out there longer, or is it a herd, or is it an Azima, or, um, or straight uh, up who, who's who is the nickelback? Right, exactly. Is there a full-time guy, or is it juggled based on you know these are all questions that are going to be able to answer. I mean, you wish you had more experience there. Maryland's not stupid, like. Like discuss, but like they ain't gonna be able to run, and it's not gonna take them long to figure that out. I assume they've already figured it out. If I was them, I'd be mapping out some plan where Talia Tagovailoa is staying in a pocket that they hope is relatively clean and attacking the secondary that's missing two starters. Um, that's he, 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 here's the good news though, is because you know that in that scenario, exactly what Northwestern's gonna do, right? Soft, soft coverage on the corners. Right. Quarters shell coverage over mm-hmm. the top, meaning that each corner and each safety is responsible for a quarter of the field, and they're not going to let anything get over the top or beyond them. And they're going to let slash force Tonga Vailoa to throw, you know, to 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 run a 15-play 75-yard drive or a 12-play 78-yard drive, right? And... For a Nate Stanley, or a Tanner Morgan, or a Jack someone Cone, who, someone who's been problem. in the Big Ten for a while. For a young dude who 
who is still figuring out his receivers and his timing and is not used to the speed of the college game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That plan works right. really good. Right. <laughs> and hey, guess what? We got a brand new starter at QB next week against Iowa. We got Taylor Martinez the week after at Nebraska. <laughs> like, like youth and or inaccuracy. This is a freaking great defensive plan. So, like, like I want to, I just want to highlight that because while the like receiver talent is Maryland's strength and our secondary does continue to be snake bit, like the scheme that we deploy and the way that Hankowitz um, functions is precisely designed to deal with this type of situation and generally it works out well for us. If you suffer from the affliction of regular sports gambling and are on a good relationship with a bookie, I would go to that bookie and see what kind of book he'll make you on an Ernest Brown interception prop bet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh lord. And see what kind of action you get. And I don't mean to be talking gambling about college sports, etc., etc. It's legal in most of the states now. We can talk about it all we want. Yeah, I'm just saying, depending on what kind of odds you get, that's a juicy proposition. Because... It's not hard to envision Ernest Brown getting an interception in this game. How are his How are his hands? Yeah, I well, we're, Let's put it this way: I would imagine we're gonna find out. I will. <laughs> I will say a ball is probably going to hit those hands at some point in this game, and he's probably been talking to to Hank ever, being like, "Look, you know how this works, and I know how this works, and I want to be out there. I want to do the Ernest Brown dance in the end zone, and that kid's gonna feed me one today." Um, so yeah, I think it's, you know, we know how Hank operates just like Scuzz said. And I think he's going to try to, to bait a young quarterback. And I think that's, that's what we're looking for. Um, and again, it's, it's more realistically, we're probably going to give up some big plays through the air. Like it's probably going to happen. And I would say that, I mean, you know, real talk. Long term, we need Newsom, and this is rough, and it's not good news that he's hurt going to the first week of the season. It's it's just isn't, and pray that this works itself out because we need him. But being able to throw Hurd and to a lesser extent Hampton into the fire um, and and work a lot of this out, knowing that I mean knock wood furiously, the offense is probably going to bring something that it wasn't bringing last season, especially in this game gives you a little bit more of a cushion and a little bit of ability to be like, look, you know, some things are going to go wrong, but you guys are going to get really solid reps here. So yeah, I mean, again, I'm it's, you guys know us enough to know that we're not desperately looking to string positives here. Like we have real talent in the two deep here that needs to play at some point. Um, and this is the kind of team that you you'd be glad that you got a chance to give some of these guys reps. Well, not just needs to play, but like Bryce Jackson played a fair amount last year. Mm-hmm. AJ Hampton played a fair amount right. last year. These guys are 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 legit and decent. So I like I we're we're in a better spot than I, f- I forget. Was it last season, John, where we were basically looking at the corners and kind of like biting our lip and be like, Oh my God, if anybody gets hurt, like we are in deep caca. Right. I mean, and it's, it really is true that like Hurd and Hampton may both be multi-year starters down the road. And, and we've been snake and you know, it's like, I, again, I'm knocking wood cause we've been snake bit with injuries. Um, even a guy like Montre Hardage was bit seriously by the injury bug. So, yeah. um, 
you know, let alone a Matt Harris, etc. So it's let's put it this way: um, we know what Newsom and Ruiz can do. Hurd and Hampton have really great potential. It's great to have four guys like that in a cornerback rotation, and hopefully as many of them as possible will stay healthy all the way through. And again, it's like, I feel like, because again, he's sitting there at, at number two on the free safety too deep. Coco Azima, who's you know listed as a co-kick returner, um, a co-punt <laughs> returner, and oh yeah, ran all over Illinois last year as a running back. Like, he's going to eat. Like, that guy is... He, <laughs> I think I think that's your nickel corner in the vein of um, uh, was it Keith Watkins, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that that like while while you're getting that prop bet on Ernest Brown, a prop bet a on a Kokuzima sack, sack yeah. is maybe a pretty good idea too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, D- don't 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 gamble on Northwestern. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's the biggest takeaway. Do not gamble on Northwestern. Um, do you want to mention special teams? Just because we have not mentioned special teams at all. Um, Charlie, Kubander, we preserved our. Yeah, we, 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 we I'm proud of us for preserving our streak last week. <laughs> we, we don't talk about specials in the Northwestern preview. Uh, Charlie Kubander is back at kicker. Uh, Trey Finnison, um, you know, sophomore out of Tuscaloosa, right? He's our guy from the. Heart of Alabama came up to uh, Northwestern. Is that right? Right. I believe so. Uh, Derek Adams, grad transfer from Kent State, is our new punter. Um, continuing our tradition of bringing in grad transfer punters. Um, interesting piece. Uh, I, I saw Tyler Gillikin in med school. That's yep. insane. Doc, doc, doctor, doctor Dr. Gillikin is our long snapper. Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, like, at some point, can can like T.J. Green's the backup holder? We got to get a doctor to doctor snap. And going then we on bring, at some and point bring, here, right? And again, I, I don't even think T.J. Green's a, a medical student. I just like saying that because it sounds like it would fit. <laughs> but hey, I mean, bring bring Chad Hanaoka back. You know what I mean? Like, we got no shortage of medical professionals here that we could work into the David David sure, Farmer, sure. right? Um, um, we got Riley Lee's as the fair catcher, and. Uh, how many okay can, how many like how is coco Ry- is coco azima our 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 new venric how mark how many riley lee's fair catches is it gonna take us to lose our collective minds this year coco. I, f- I feel like coco azima might be our new our new venric mark um in that we spent for those who weren't with us at the time we spent well actually i guess it was was it those were early er, podcast early days, days yeah um yeah but we basically spent two years imploring um, mostly the fans around us uh, for this coaching staff to put Fenric Mark in at, at running back and to give him more opportunities on, right. on kick look, returns. Hey, look, Riley Lees can be Peyton Ramsey's number one receiving target. Totally fine with it. Throw to him all day. Coco can return kicks and putts. I think that's more <laughs> than fair. <laughs> so, um, speaking of gambling, 11-point favorites right now oh my <laughs> god good Hoo-ah. god every northwestern Hoo-ah. fan just threw up in their mouths like i mean come Hoo-ah, on boy like you know you know better than to bet on northwestern especially by 11 if, points if, but if you thought we were sandbagging the maryland defense i mean i guarantee no. you vegas didn't listen to our podcast like yeah i mean i again it's like it gets worse for them they have to play. We're not the only power offense Maryland has to play this year, and they, yeah, they're 
I mean, I talked about this way back in the summer when we previewed Maryland about how bad that defense was going to be. And they've only gotten worse since then with all of the transfers and yeah. the uncertainty and everything. I mean, it's it's this isn't about us. It's about them in that regard where they are potentially historically bad on defense. And I, I mean, I'm not complaining. Um, well, well, the, the one piece that is about us is a lot of these spreads are, you know, especially at this point in the year, right? It's built on models trying to assess returning personnel and calibrate that across various teams, et cetera. And Northwestern's got like the number one returning production in all of college football, because we basically lost nobody on the offensive side of the ball. And so um, there's a lot of, I mean, it like 10 returning starters, but when you look at, when you look at the underlying stats, right? Like Skoranek only caught, um, 12 balls last year for 140 yards and he's the only skill position player that we lost so when you think of, like it's like 98 percent of our production from last year as crappy as that production was last year is returning what is and it so that's, what would you call it is it progressing to the mean is that what it is there's <laughs> there's because that's that's a lot of people like you look at a lot of like the analytics people being like that is well they gotta get better that's such a great comment and and the truth is like you know northwestern put up three seasons of double digit wins out of what, four years with Clayton Thorson as QB with a Mick McCall led offense that averaged what 90th or 95th in S and P plus, um, and a really good defense. Well, people like that really good defense is still here. And, and maybe it takes a little bit of a step back with some of the, the injuries in the secondary and, and the lack of a, of a dominant pass rusher, but like, Mike Bajakian's never had an offense that was below like 65th in SMP plus. So, I mean, just getting into like the midpoint between him and Mick McCall would, would mean our second best offense of the last 10 years. So like if, if you're thinking that we're, you know, out over our skis again this year, like we were last year on some of our predictions, there's some, there's, there's good reason for it. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I, I, and, and with all of that, it's just like, Skaronsky, Franks, Washington, Hooper, Price, Hurd, um, O'Rourke, Azima. Like, these are guys that were all major gets who we've been just chomping at the bit to see, to see get real action and real playing time. And that's all going to happen in this game. Um, the tires are getting kicked on every single one of these guys. And, I mean, if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does. So real quick, um, I know we're running a little long tonight, but uh, it's the first game week of the season, so why wouldn't we run a little long? Um, let's quickly go through the rest of the Big Ten because we actually have the rest of the Big Ten to go through. Uh, Friday night, Illinois at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, a 20-point favorite. Is that is that enough? Um, I mean, that, I mean, well... New new QB, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, like... I mean, Bucky is going to be rabid in this game. And yes, there are <laughs> yes, there aren't going to be like 30,000 drunk Northwest, I mean, drunk Wisconsin students in the stands for this one, but Bucky is frothing at the mouth. Um it's time to pay the piper for the Illini. So, um 20 that's that seems fair, but yeah, you know, break Graham Mertz, you know, no Jack Cohn aside like Bucky's just going to try to just plow this team under on the ground, and I think they're going to do it. 
Speaking of another uh, plowing, um, 11 a.m. on Fox, Nebraska at Ohio State. Um, Ohio State, 26-point favorite. That's not enough. Oh. Wow. Yes, please. Wow. More, more of that, please. Yeah. And what's funny about that is, like, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Nebraska scores some points in this game. Um, but if you look at the right, the there are a lot of ways that this could go. And in some of those ways, Nebraska scores some points. It's also possible that the wheels completely fall off the wagon for Nebraska immediately. Like Martinez gets hurt and or he just can't do anything. Um, And then Nebraska just doesn't score any points. And then you're asking yourselves, uh, is Ohio State going to score 26 points? Uh, No, they're going to score a lot more than 26 (laughs) points. So well, and they're looking. They're looking at Clemson putting up seventy-three right, yeah, last exactly. weekend against Georgia Tech, and they're thinking a, a, we need exactly we need some style mm-hmm. points. Exactly. Uh, Rutgers, Michigan State, uh, in East Lansing. Ew, ew, stay. It, stay cover your children's eyes. There's no eyes. This, It it is this. That's a weird one. Um, only because so let, like hypothetical. Let's say Michigan State wins forty-five nothing. Is that a positive indicator for Michigan State? I would lean yes, were it to happen. I mean, Michigan State's a mess. They're trying to figure a lot out. Rutgers remains Rutgers. Um, And I kind of feel like if Michigan State did put a whipping on them, on one hand, you'd be like, yeah, but it's Rutgers. But on the other hand, I'd be like, well, given everything they've got going on, it's something. I don't know. Uh, Penn State at Indiana. Um, 2.30 on uh, FS1. Penn State is six and a half point favorite. Uh, Journey Brown out for the game, year. Game of the week, you think? In the conference? Uh, this this one to me is the most... Well, I think Michigan-Minnesota is de facto game of the week because they're both ranked. Um, but this one is the most interesting from the upset potential because I like Indiana came so close last year and that was fueled very much by Peyton Ramsey. But you know, presumably Michael Penix will be healthy he and Ramsey put up pretty similar stats last season and you now you've got a um, Micah Parsons and Journey Brown less Penn State Mm -hmm. yikes yeah I think this is a great game and again like we bent over backwards to tell you Indiana's a good football team um, and that didn't change like Indiana's not had the attrition that Penn State's had Um, is you know is that line a decent line yeah that's a pretty sensible line um, but that's going to be a, a really good game. And if Indiana wins that game, you know, look out because second place is not out of the realm of possibility for them if they do. Uh, also at 2.30 Central uh, on Big Ten Network, Iowa at Purdue, Iowa three-point favorite. Um, before we get into that, I mean, just best wishes uh, for and a speedy recovery to Jeff Brom, uh, who's suffering from COVID. Um, you just... You know, hopefully he gets better soon and is able to get back on the sidelines because, you know, that that Purdue team is, you know, a fully armed and operational battle station without uh, Grand Moff Tarkin right now. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be. I, I I think they'll be affected. Oh, for sure. Um, it's like what, what was the thing when Saban came back? Didn't the line move two points? I think in that game. Yeah, um, that was. That kind of felt like BS to me. Brom ought to really move the line. Like, yep. his presence in the stadium matters. Whether he's calling the plays or not, his mind just works at a certain speed um, that 
that matters. So yeah, Purdue is is going to miss him against the you know an Iowa defense that I would say is definitely down. Um, and and of course you know we've spent whole pods on Iowa's issues in the off season, but um, yeah, it's it's a big loss and it it does matter because this is feels like a, a really big game for both teams. Um, I mean, based on our rundown of of these teams, I think. Like I don't want to say I would expect Purdue to win, but I'm surprised it's Iowa by three. That feels like a laundry line as opposed to um, one that's really kind of evaluated the the pieces on the chessboard. But I, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Purdue remains really thin on defense, so it's you know I would say Iowa's a much more balanced team. But I mean, I mean that Vegas is predicting a close game, and that makes sense to me. And yet the over under is only fifty four. That. Yeah, that, that seems yeah. real low. I was gonna say if the over under is only fifty four, I don't see how it's three points because Purdue's gonna be carrying forty of those points in that kind of situation. So I don't really get it, but whatever. Um, Purdue scored twenty on Iowa last year, so right, like yeah. I mean, and now again, that Iowa defense was definitely better than this Iowa defense, and that was a that was a Rondell Moore less Purdue and one where their their QBs still weren't you know. Right, their QBs just so, come right. a lot like more Purdue didn't now. have Rondell Moore and Iowa did have AJ Epinesa. So you talk about that, how much of a swing that kid? That's a huge swing. So we'll see. And then uh, college game day, going to the Twin Cities, Michigan at Minnesota, uh, number eighteen Michigan, number twenty one Minnesota, rankings based on nothing. Uh, <laughs> People in Minnesota will tell you that this is also a laundry line, but I don't think it is. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan. This th- seems right. This seems Michigan's right a me. three and a half point favorite. That makes sense to me. And I, again, it's it, this Michigan team is way, way. Well, I don't want to say way, way, um, because I was going to say way more solid in the trenches. It, Minnesota's offensive line is no joke. It's a great offensive line, um, but. On the defensive side of the ball, Michigan's strong. And Michigan's offensive line, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Scuzz, is pretty decent too. Um, and yep. I think... Well, their their running game looks to be much improved this year. And they, like... Like, Michigan is... Minnesota's Minnesota's offense versus Michigan's D is, like, a really good, intriguing battle. And, and, and like... Minnesota might do well for themselves, but Michigan's offense against Minnesota's D oh, is a huge. It's mismatch. not even close. Uh, Michigan is a stronger, tougher team. Minnesota's offense is better, um, and given all that, like I think the line it probably makes sense. But again, it's like you're. I think we're get, we're gonna see if Michigan can go the kind of track. I mean, if Minnesota can go track meet against a team that is truly tough and truly strong, and for whatever their warts and their turnover. Um, is loaded with talent and is loaded with strength in the trenches. And we're going to find out what Minnesota's got. But again, I think people who think that this is going to be two tough-nosed teams going to war with each other like is going to be surprised at the, the tenor of this game, especially when Michigan has the ball. One, well, and historically, like like th- these two teams have had a number of, of matchups where, you know, the, the Gophers have looked poised to potentially – spring an upset or do something and it just it's it's never happened like like michigan just kind of dominates them um I, interestingly michigan's losing nico collins uh their second re- second leading receiver last year 
but they've still got a bevy of talent there. I don't think that's going to be a problem. And I think, I think they're going to run the ball until Minnesota shows they can stop them. And I just don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, any other national games? Um, you know, now we actually have almost a complete slate of college football uh, this week. Uh, only the Pac-12 and the MAC are missing. Uh, they will be back in a couple more weeks. Um, anything else to kind of jump in attitude this weekend? I know it's not. It's nice just to hear you ask that, Sam, because it does feel like we actually have some <laughs> like normalcy here. Um, I I would love to see um, Iowa State officially close the Big Twelve loop of shittiness by beating Oklahoma State the snake will have officially eaten itself completely I think if that happens that, that would be great um, not uh, 3-0 and Cincinnati visiting 5-0 uh, and SMU um, a, a short bike ride away from where uh, I used to live in Dallas at, at SMU Stadium you got Shane Buchel former Texas QB leading leading the um, the ponies and Cincinnati with that nasty, nasty, nasty defense. Um, that's a late game. It's going to be that's a good one to turn on when you're going to bed. It's going to be a that's going to be a fun a fun game. What about NC State North Carolina? Um, you know, North Carolina probably the biggest pretenders in the world at number five last week at three and zero, getting beat. They're a seventeen point favorite to the Wolfpack, who looked pretty frisky. I think I seventeen. That's crazy. That's crazy to me. I mean, I we watched like were I mean I mean don't I mean let's put it this way like North Carolina in week 1 and granted it was crazy and covid etc couldn't really get out of their own way against a Syracuse team that is at Clemson um 100 nothing not out of the realm of possibility in that game. Clemson um, is a 45 and a half point favorite. 45 and a half points. And I think like North Carolina was just ranked high to start the season for reasons. And I'm not saying I know exactly what NC state has, who knows? Like the ACC is Clemson and that's what they are. Um, but yeah, I mean, I certainly like 17 points. That seems crazy. It's still two ranked teams, and I, I would. Yeah, they're two. They're both ranked. That's crazy. And they're rivals. Um, and I mean, I, I would expect a good game there. Well, I and mean, one might say that uh, the ACC is Clemson and Notre Dame because they're sitting at number three, which also seems. Because does that seem right? Are they the third best team in the country? Notre, Notre Dame. Dame? <laughs> Um, they sure as hell weren't last week. <laughs> uh, they almost horked it up to to yeah, Louisville. Yeah. No, I <laughs> they looked they looked pretty darn good before that. Um, like particularly on offense, and their defense is really solid. But I like, I like, I, I mean, Georgia would probably beat them right now, right? Um, it's Pitt. Pitt's hilarious because Pitt has Pitt's three and three. They have a one point. They have a three point win over Louisville. They also have two one point losses to NC State and BC. So they've they've been playing close. I mean, they they only lost to Miami by twelve. Like they're not a pushover. They're also not a good football team. But Louisville wasn't either. So Notre Dame needs to kind of wake up. So the one thing about. Um... NC State is they might be down a whole bunch of players who are in quarantine. Mm. Um, so let's see. 
They lost Devin Leary. Um, their QB. They were down to 45 players when they restarted practice after their outbreak. And that was a few weeks ago. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there might be, there might be some other things here that are feeding into that, into that, into that, that line where NC state is just missing some players, but it also seems absurd to have that kind of line between rivals where like North Carolina is fine, but they're not that good. Well guys, um, I don't know. Oh boy. We've talked a lot and you know, there's, now it's time to put rubber to the road and let's let's get together on Saturday and see what's actually see what this team's going to look like. I mean, we've been speculating for a long do, time. Do we need to speculate a little let's bit more um, about about uh, Northwestern's win loss record? This yeah, year? we might as well. I, I think we uh, had some people wondering if we had any official predictions that we uh, didn't put down on on the internet last week. Huh. Well, I mean, I, with all the talk, I, I just feel like this isn't a time for me to, to hedge or anything like that. And I, you know, I will, this might be a tiny bit head, but I'm going to say six and two, and that may seem like an overextension here, but, um, I, I just think we can win any of the games on our schedule. We have a great schedule. There's a potential for a truly special team here if a couple things break together. We've all seen this kind of thing not go that way before. Um, but I'll tell you right now that I can easily talk myself into thinking we're the better team in seven of our eight matchups. And based on that, um, I feel like six and two is a reasonable call. So that's where I'm going. I am 100% in the exact same corner. I like I'm circling Wisconsin. I'm circling at Minnesota. Those are the two that are probably the most scary to me. Um, I guess Purdue Purdue is is a leverage game as well, but I like six and two feels right to me. I mean, if you think about Peyton Ramsey is like, like to me, this team looks like the 2018 or the 2017 teams. Those teams lost a total of three big 10 games, not including the big 10 championship game. Um, and the talent at quarterback is is like a lot of where it comes down to the talent and experience, I should say. And I just I think this coaching staff is better. I think progressing to the mean is a really really kind of genius um, backhanded tagline for this season that I think is going to really come true. And like six and two with this schedule would be the equivalent of like what um, nine and three yeah. on a on a full schedule and that feels pretty damn right when I look at 2017 and 2018 and where this team should be based on the talent level and what we know that they can accomplish. I'm going to couch just a little bit. I mean, I completely agree with your assessment there. I just, you know, think that we lose a game. We're not expecting to lose. I, I'm going to go with five and three. Um, it's very responsible. You know, I, 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 I love this team. I love the, the opportunity and the possibility uh, that there is, I just you know, there's going to be some growing pain somewhere. We're going to get an injury somewhere, and it, it's a game that we're expecting to win. I think we'll lose. 
Um, you know, we we don't have Central Michigan, which would be a guaranteed loss. That that's that's not on the schedule this year. So um, that's true. I absolutely yeah. It's it's all games that fits. You're gonna get the the full Bajakian playbook. Um, I just think there's a real chance, uh, and and I said this last week, November 21st, uh, we're playing Wisconsin um, potentially for you know for all the marbles, and you know with the that you know mid November in this crazy year, there's a real chance that we are playing a game with you know with the world at our fingertips and a chance to just let it ride and and see what happens. And believe me, I would be happy to be wrong. Like I would be happy uh, for you know to be underselling this team. That that that's my hope. I would also be happy to be underselling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right, guys. Uh, well, well, I will talk to both of you. I'm sure uh, this weekend um, as we, you know, maybe as as our text string will probably reach the hundreds. I would imagine, um, and you know. Follow us on Twitter because uh, you know we'll we'll be there. We'll be uh, chatting about the game as it as it goes. Um, I know I might not be able to catch the very beginning in real time due to bedtimes of the of the young ones. Yeah, the, yeah the, this 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 kickoff definitely interferes with bedtime. That's a problem. Yeah, so we might be a little behind. I mean, maybe John, you can you can take the reins for us on on Twitter till uh, the rest of us catch up uh, to live on on the DVR, but. Uh, yeah, um, definitely looking forward to talking about this game with you guys uh, this weekend. Uh, definitely looking forward to getting back together next week to uh, go over this game. Uh, actually have a recap pod, which is uh, hopefully will be good. Oh, hopefully we'll all be uh, very, very happy as we uh, come back next week. But, you know, they play the games for a reason, right? I just want to say to, you know, to all of you out there, like... I mean, obviously, like, none of this is a joke. It's all very serious. But everyone in Northwestern Nation, like, we've all ridden through this thing together. Um, and, you know, good Lord willing, like, now we're finally getting some football. And let's just enjoy it together. Um, I'm so excited, you know, for the players. I'm so excited for all of us. Um, let's do this. Oh, well, with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlotpirates, and email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the Westlot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Skousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.